My name is Christopher Peter and welcome to the Christopher Peter Review. The Christopher Peter Review provides original content discussing salient current events in our political environment, business community, global world, domestic society, and sports and entertainment. In each of the five segments, the focus will always be to center on facts, evidence, and data. Please experience the five podcast segments that make up the Christopher Peter Review. Welcome back to the Christopher Peter Podcast, the lead segment of the Christopher Peter Review. The focus will continue to be on discussing salient current events and topics in the business and industry environment. The best protection for competition in the marketplace is not always the regulators. Regulation can play an important role in rooting out fraud, market manipulation, and corruption. But it does not really create the incentive for new entrants. And regulators should not serve that interest. Many times the competition in markets is best regulated by the potential opportunities seen by sustained success by a long-time market leader that provides a target for prospective providers to enter that space. The incentive seen can spur innovation by those seeking opportunity to provide a better solution, better delivery, or apply technology created externally in an industry that can reshape the structure and change the customer experience. Few people really believe that Google's position atop the internet search market could be challenged. Google is internet search for most people since its inception. That is why we say Google it rather than search the internet for something. But I have no doubt there have been those who always thought they could build the solution that could disrupt the industry. Few competitive offerings actually made a real impact. There are some who appeal to the market of customers who fear being tracked online. But most customers are not as sensitive to data tracking. There are still Americans who actively use TikTok and many who do not take the time to read disclosures. The real potential for market disruption came in the recent deal between Microsoft and ChatGPT. Leveraging artificial intelligence technology in Microsoft's search engine could help drive people to try Bing rather than Google. Especially those who always want the next big thing. You can tell whether an idea has staying power when the market leader takes notice. The new Bing seems to have caused a stir at Google, who is seeking a response with their own integration of artificial intelligence into search. Google is usually at the forefront of easy-to-use technology that makes the customer experience better. It needs to protect its market position in this important space. I think we all view Google as a well-run innovative organization and believe it will undoubtedly create a competitive solution. The question is will Bing have the first mover's advantage and a better product? A problem with being a market leader is maintaining the competitive drive to remain on a fence to win customers rather than defending your position from credible substitutes. Keep in mind that this is not the first go-around for Google with threats to its dominant position in certain market spaces. Apple tried and failed to launch a feasible alternative to Google Maps on their iPhone devices. And Bing came out with a big marketing push, but did not scale to the top of the search market during its initial release. Artificial intelligence will be a game-changer for many industries. And it can help advance our innovative processes further in many spaces. It is something that many should be looking at how it can improve their performance in their marketplace rather than seeking to limit how competitors can use it to gain market share. I do believe that with new technology we have to appreciate the immense benefit while acknowledging and addressing the real and potential harm that may come with it. Ignoring the harm will create negative consequences and externalities that can blunt the potential for the new technology. Consider how social media was a disruptor in the market for communication changing how people connected and communicated with one another. Also, altered how marketers connected with customers or prepared markets for product launches. One undeniable aspect of social media was that it leveled the playing field in marketing to some degree. Allowing emerging brands to connect with consumers normally blocked in traditional marketing channels by established brands with bigger marketing budgets and networks. Social media also provides agency to many Americans who can voice their concerns directly to those in power or at least the people monitoring their feeds. 
As social media became more popular and ingrained in our daily lives and became an institution, the downsides were frequently ignored because we liked to use the services. Many overlooked issues with how quickly social media platforms became sources of hysteria where people ignored facts, evidence, and data in favor of trending emotional content. Social media showed that society is just as bad at addressing bullying on these platforms as it is in real life. The increased ability to communicate can also reduce barriers for those who wish to harm you or harass you. Also, many people do not have healthy relationships with social media. Social media companies wanted to balance the perception of free speech, except when it came to politics. Then it was willing to take a hands-on approach. I do think that social media should be careful and not allow certain content to become suggested material. But social media companies have not effectively addressed the bad. Now people are finding their products less useful to a healthy lifestyle. In our society, we always want people to have access to new things. And we as consumers must remember we bear the responsibility sometimes with new technology to set our own boundaries and rules of engagement with these new tools. Social media platforms put the onus for filtering on the user. The user decides what they engage with. The user decides what input he or she will provide for the algorithm. I know people will call for regulation. But I do not believe that regulation is effective at righting every perceived wrong. And many times regulation only is effective at stifling competition with rules written by those with experience with the market leaders or from those with strong biases against the respective industry or practice. I do not think we want regulation to be used as a tool or barrier to protect firms from competition. Again, market competition does self-regulate. Just like the presence of artificial intelligence will make consumers rethink what search providers they may use, there are other moments that create opportunities for consumers to reevaluate their choices and spending patterns that can do more than regulatory fines and questionnaires. Non-technology disruptions that change markets. In retail, you would find it hard to identify anyone who questioned Sears' leadership in the 80s. The retail giant of its time had everything a household could need at the time. You could clothe the mother, father, kids, and grandparents from aisles of clothing lines. Had products and services to maintain your home with warranties to give buyers confidence in their brands. Even today, no one matches the craftsman guarantee. Few people would have guessed that by offering people cheap products, you really did not have to guarantee quality. Because people look at cheap prices like I can buy another if it breaks. Or I will buy two just in case one breaks. The everyday low price promotion shifted the retail market in a manner that Sears refused to acknowledge, initiating its eventual demise. People will buy a lot of stuff if they feel like it is a good deal. Then Amazon built upon this love for cheap shopping and catered to our inner couch potato. Why leave your couch or wait in lines? Order here and get it in two days. Never have to shed the pajamas for man why people. The good thing for many brick and mortar stores is the ones still in operations adapted in the face of a technology disruption. Of course Sears did not and is no longer in business. Disruptions improve the customer experience, increase affordability and convenience, and ensure that market players stay on the edge of innovation and change. Instead of obsessing over how we can rein in innovation, we need to look at industries that are in desperate need of reform and identify opportunities for disruption. Healthcare would be a good place to start. Greater transparency. Break up to monopolistic conditions where patients lack choice because of market protections built into regulations. Patients should have access to best quality providers not just the systems that are trying to become the 7-Elevens of healthcare. Marketing budgets are no substitute for results and outcomes. We need to ensure that patients are able to really enjoy competitive pricing in the health insurance market and with healthcare providers. For instance, I always believe that health insurance policies should be nationally constructed to allow competition to drive down pricing. But we will talk about the healthcare industry in future content. 
we need to stop fearing disruption but accept it as a useful tool to address our social problems. More industries need to be disrupted to better serve the customer and provide opportunities. For the investors, we should be looking for innovation and cultures that seek innovation to identify growth potential. See the opportunities to invest in budding companies or pull money out of companies that may go extinct. Please continue to visit the Christopher Peter Review at www.crcreview.com. I thank you in advance for your viewership and look forward to our next discussion. Welcome to CRC Sports, where we discuss salient current events in the world of sports and entertainment. I think sports to some degree imitates life or provides inspirational lessons that can be applied outside of the arena into our daily lives. For instance, the adversity many athletes had to overcome to achieve their sport amongst the best in their respective professions. Many doctors, lawyers, business leaders, and others had to do the same. Many of whom may have been drawn inspiration from seeing their favorite star achieve what seemed like a daunting task or overcome what appeared like unwinnable odds. I am sure there are many of our favorite athletes who drew inspiration from seeing parents provide for them and their families in spite of unfavorable situations in life. So it makes sense that sports and life intertwines. Networks like ESPN make the intersection of life, culture, and sports a staple of their platform it seems. Many times they look at stories from the cultural perspective of the players and the environment they came from. It is important to try to see a topic from all sides, perspectives, and points of view. Otherwise, you may miss opportunities to identify solutions. At the same time, it is important to understand that perspectives may provide insight but not an excuse for clear violations of universally accepted standards of social behaviors and public safety. I do not think that it is appropriate to try to blur lines of morality using cloaks of false narratives driven by racial hysteria. I will get right to the point. I do not think the media should try to excuse the continually poor choices that NBA star Ja Morant makes involving guns and reckless handling of these weapons. As you experienced in past content, I do support gun rights. But I also support responsible gun ownership. Part of a clip on a morning show questioned what is the difference between the controversial video and other high-profile people showing videos of themselves at the gun range or showing off gun lockers. The difference is not race. The difference is recklessness in handling a weapon and repeatedly doing so. Gun ranges are closed environments to licensed gun owners. Gun lockers are the responsible manner that any person regardless of background would store their guns responsibly. I think we can all agree that it is universally unacceptable to flash a gun in a crowded environment involving alcohol. I think we all agree that it is universally unacceptable for anyone to be waving a gun in a driving automobile. At the same time, I think we can be compassionate in our response to the incident because we must understand that change is not an overnight occurrence. John Morant is a superstar talent who is working to get better structure in his life. There will be bumps on the road. Obviously, he will need to understand that he needs to not allow those around him to tape him and post videos on their social media. And he needs to understand that you should not be openly handling a gun especially in modern-day America with the number of recent gun-related incidents that headlines the news broadcasts. Probably in the past, prior generational athletes might have done the same but there was no social media to expose them. But we all operate in the moment and time of our own respective society. Now is not the time to reckless handle guns in situations that are not acceptable. People are sometimes overly loyal to their friends and family to the point that they do not set boundaries. Since he is the breadwinner of the group, Morant needs to understand he has more to lose than those around him that are posting videos. Albeit the original video was his own doing. But people around him should also understand the need to protect the person picking up the bill. Try to be the voice of reason. People of all backgrounds sing along to their favorite songs. And some do things in the privacy that they would not want to share on social media, regular media, or anyone outside. 
So it is important to have a filter for what you allow posted concerning you and what you post. Especially if you are a brand. Is posting a video going to overall help your brand or cause more harm than good to your brand? That is the question you must always ask before pressing record and sending. There are many situations in society where culture cannot completely excuse behaviors. Our experience and understanding of a particular culture may help us to empathize with why the bad decision was made. But we cannot ignore the act. Whether it is reenacting your favorite song or saying an offensive word because it was the norm of your generation, we need to ensure the person understands their role behaviors that are reckless, dangerous, and harmful and accepts the need to do better in the future. Much is made of this event because of the past one, the suspension, and the acknowledgement by Morin himself that he needs to be better. We need to remember our paths towards change will have bumps in the road. Hopefully this is just a momentary blip that will lead to another inspirational story of redemption that can inspire future generations. The real issue in the video involving John Morant is not with gun ownership. The Constitution clearly affords people the right to bear arms. There are reasonable restrictions and safeguards in place, which may be a source of debate. But that is not this conversation. We assume that he is in compliance with the rules and regulation with acquiring the weapons in the videos. Both the strip club and the recent one. Some sports pundits attempt to blur the lines of the issues by evoking politics into the issue. Taking issues with politicians who support gun rights and how they send holiday cards or accept campaign donations. Staged photos and funds to protect constitutional rights is not the issue. The issue is not with gun ownership, but the responsible handling of guns and behaviors that conflict with employer agreements. It is perfectly legal to drink alcohol in America in accordance with rules and regulations. People will find it distasteful to drink alcohol while working or in certain situations. There are things that are perfectly legal but when distastefully done can be a detriment to society, communities, or one's employer. I agree with those who are pointing out that there is not a crime here. There is no criminal violation from what can be seen on the video available on social media. But there is an issue with behaviors that may be deemed by an employer to be detrimental to the image of the organization that pays your salary. There are different levels of law. Criminal law which involves statutes and regulations. Contract law, which involves agreements between parties bound by the terms and conditions of those contracts. It may be legal to smoke marijuana recreationally in your state. If your employer says they do not permit employees to smoke at company facilities or be under the influence during working hours then you are in violation of your work agreement but not a statute. Therefore your employer can enact punishment to you or terminate employment. The party that will decide John Warren's employment consequence is the NBA. They may deem that this video connects an employee under contract with behaviors detrimental to their brand and issue punishment according to their rules and regulations. I do not believe the hysteria and irrelevant banter is fair or accurate for the viewers to get a clear picture. John Morant should not be the face of gun violence issues we face in society. But he should understand the role his actions may play in connecting his brand and his employer to those issues. We can deflect or dilute the reality of the situation. At the same time, we cannot make it more than what it is. We thank you for experiencing this edition of CRC Sports here on the Christopher Peter Review. Welcome to the CRC Conversation on the Christopher Peter Review, where we discuss leading current events impacting our economy, public policy, and society. The topic of illegal immigration is one that will always be an issue, simply because there is not a political will to resolve it. The idea that we can ignore it or wish it away is not based in reality. The government's inability to secure our border and maintain an orderly immigration system is a direct shirking of their responsibility to keep America safe and foster a society built around the rule of law. 
America needs immigration but we need an immigration system that affords society the ability to vet who is coming in. We need a regulated immigration system? I think we all agree with that notion. But emotion can cloud sound judgment at times. Some people hear the word border security and automatically feel there is a negative connotation. Feel like there is some form of discrimination. The reality is that border security is essential. We cannot allow people to simply decide they want to cross our national lines and then draw upon our economic and social resources. This became clear and obvious when Republican governors sent illegals to progressive-run cities who made their communities sanctuary cities. Yet, they are not liking the impact the flood of illegals have on their budgets and government services. I think that helped make the point but also helped facilitate the problem even more. The federal government should not play any role in aiding and abetting people who are breaking laws. States should not be either. Yet, they are when illegals are moved around in the darkness of night. Or bust to sanctuary cities. Then the American taxpayers pay higher prices to cover the cost and gain lower quality services because the systems are stretched thin. This is not a sustainable path forward. And one that we should not continue to kick down the road. We barely can fix our schools, infrastructure, and safety, yet we are picking up the tab for people who are sending their ill-gotten gains overseas to bolster foreign economies. One can argue that their labor does help our economy. There are jobs that some Americans will not do or are not worth the minimum wage pay rate to compensate someone to do. But the status quo is not working. We have talked about solutions before. Guest worker programs that allow migrants to legally enter, work in these positions, then return home and come again next season. We cannot pretend that issues do not exist with illegal immigration and ignore security risks and the real consequences that we see in terms of drug trafficking and human trafficking. At the end of the day, Americans are picking up the costs other nations should be paying for their own citizens. Ideally, the nation sponsoring these illegal migrations should see their foreign aid reduced to offset the cost. Nations that allow illegal caravans to cross their borders should pay the cost Americans incur. That is only fair. Right? If these nations are receiving considerable money being transferred then we need to reduce our aid to them. I do think we should offset the aid. That should not be controversial. There are real costs being incurred by illegal immigration. Those nations from where the illegals come from should bear those costs. At the very least, it will spark change in those nations to make a real effort to assist in reducing the problem. In their leaders' eyes, the illegals are no longer their problem or one less person they have to worry about. Then the money sent back home to what we believe will be given to their families is money that will be spent in their economies. But is this money going to the families or funding organizations facilitating illegal immigration networks? That is a question to consider as well. Most people want to turn a blind eye to the issue. It is an uncomfortable topic for most. Create such strong emotion. But it is important to understand that most Americans want immigration. Just a legal system where the rules apply equally to all. The current broken system affords benefit to those who break the rules and jump the line. Those advocating for open borders are not doing so with a full understanding of what that entails. The proponents of open borders are attempting to leverage a traditionalist approach in saying that there used to be no laws restricting immigration. The progressive argument that now laws are in place and they need to be enforced. There are opportunities for improvement in the system. But open borders is not the way forward. There was a time when people could nomadically roam the earth. Now we know better and immigration laws are important. Laws without enforcement do not promote law and order. Gun laws without enforcement do not aid society. Laws meant to prevent murder, violent crime, and other socially unacceptable behaviors are not effective when not enforced. 
We should question why progressives are consistently on the side of the wrongdoers, where they try to normalize bad behaviors. Normalize drug use as a means to end the drug crisis. Instead we see more overdoses and death. They want to normalize crime by exaggerating racial issues. Now we have more crime. Normalize illegal immigration and now cities and communities are overwhelmed and unprepared. Whose side are they on and why do the good people always suffer at the hands of the dangerous fringe? The common result of thinking with emotions and not intellect. Emotional intelligence is important. But needs to be balanced with rationality, reality, and comprehensive thought. We may sympathize with the plight these individuals are trying to escape. Impoverished socialist nations are oppressive, dangerous, and not suited for quality of life. But we do not remove or excuse the responsibility of one to do the right thing and follow the proper processes and protocols. The ones who do the right thing are the ones who should always get top priority. We all support immigration. Legal and regulated immigration that affords opportunity and preserves safety. I thank you all for experiencing this edition of the CRC Conversation. Make sure to come back next week to experience more here on the Christopher Peter Review. Welcome to the CRC Society where we debate salient current events taking place in our society. The principle of free speech is foundational to our society. In this edition of CRC Society, Adriana and myself will discuss whether or not people truly appreciate the principle of free speech in a manner where people can truly speak their mind in social environments. The constitutional protections for free speech afforded to citizens is from the perspective of government retaliation for speech those in power dislike or disagree with or from people considered public figures. It does not afford people the right to say whatever they want or whomever they want to. There are limits to free speech and that speech must not spark mutiny against America, must not present a direct public threat, or may not be slanderous or libel, the written form of slander. Even if the speech does not rise to the level of slander or libel, it still can cause people to not want to be associated with you or employ you for that matter. Your decision to speak your mind may want others to reconsider whether they want themselves or their organizations mentally connected with the speech. Not everything is truly a free speech issue. There are things that we may legally be allowed to say, but our morals and ethics tell us that it is not the right thing to do. For instance, we know we should never say things that are disparaging against a race, gender, or other demographic grouping. Even if you are not directing it towards an individual, it may make people feel unwanted and make you lose out on valuable associations because of personal leanings that are not based on reality. We are generally careful what we say because it is easy for others to misinterpret what we say or we simply misspeak and it creates unintended issues. There are people who will give others the benefit of the doubt and others who will use unintended statements against you. That is the society and world we live in. A society where cancelling others is a thing others seek to do. There is a difference in the sense of free speech in the political realm where one is speaking out about something, someone in the public forum, or for a position. There is a speech in the social sense where people want to be able to speak their mind in general conversations. We all know people who will say something simply because they thought it. We call those people the filterless. Right? There are people who claim that they speak only the truth. But it is a relative truth in that if they believe what they are going to say then it is true for them and it is worthy to speak out in the open. Now people say that there is no such thing as overcommunication. So just say what you think. But there is an importance to ensure that what you are saying is accurate and free of harm. We want to create environments where people feel comfortable in sharing, participating, and contributing without fear of judgment, retaliation, or consequence. The responsibility for how a message is received is on the messenger. The audience does not have to afford you the benefit of the doubt. That is why we are careful how we speak and what we say because bad communication has consequences that we may not want or never intended. 
so there is a responsibility for speakers who have something to say to say something accurate and worth saying. In our society, we do not want people to always speak their mind. We want thoughtful exchanges and dialogues. We do not want to give space for people to filibuster our social discourse. Especially those who do not want to afford others the space for rebuttal or counter-arguments. Is a statement valid if it cannot stand up to scrutiny? Some people do not want their positions challenged because their argument is not logically drawn rather based on emotional hysterical or misperceptions. Some people say there are multiple truths. Those people are generally liars because if your position is not clearly drawn from available facts, evidence, and data, then you are narrating a story to fit a purpose. If there is new evidence, facts, and data that changes the conclusion, then the new outcome is the truth and the prior position is now defunct until the facts, evidence, and data changes in its favor. I guess one could argue then that there is relative truth, relative to the facts, evidence, and data used to reach the conclusion. But the conclusion should not be relative to the person's emotions. Emotions are not facts. The main problem with social media is how much of the content aimed at influencing how people view important issues and topics is based on emotional hysteria. The short posts or content use selected data to draw an emotional response, where people feel falsely validated if the piece goes viral. People engage with content and question how it makes them feel instead of why should I believe what I just experienced. This happens in everyday conversations as well. We generally determine whether a person is trustworthy based on how we feel about what they said rather than if we feel it is valid. Then we somehow feel justified to be angry that we believe something that was false or misleading. I think we do not really want people to speak their mind. But to be mindful of how we speak and ensure the message we put out there is the right message and is crafted in the best possible manner for people to receive the message as intended. Live from the other side of this rabbit hole. This is Adriana. I am kidding of course. So I surmise that the argument is that people do not want others to speak their mind if their speech is not accurate based on documented facts, evidence, or data. No one wants to be purposefully lied to or misled by others. I think that is a valid point. There is so much noise now in the age of technology that we cannot trust everything that we see or hear. We cannot trust our emotional response to it either. I do think that we want to offer people the platform to speak their mind and hope that speakers use that opportunity appropriately. But we know that our society is flawed and even our social circles are flawed as well. One barrier to consider is that I believe many people want to say whatever is on their mind without any consequence. But they also want to be shielded from any rebuttal or fact check. The person who says something and then leaves the room for example. We want to speak our minds but you cannot tell us we are wrong or question our intentions. If we think so, therefore it is. We all know people who cannot never admit they are wrong. Yet they have the loudest voice in the room. No person is right all the time and sometimes there is an asymmetric information gap. You hold a certain position because of the information you read but expansive research could change your conclusion. Also how we reason can impact our conclusions and how far we go to defend them. There are two types of reasoning, inductive and deductive. Both are useful in the right circumstances. Inductive reasoning is where you look at an array of data and draw a conclusion. Deductive is where you seek to prove a predetermined position with data that supports it. Deductive reasoners will probably feel the need to defend their position because they have a select set of facts that prove their perspective. 
the counterargument is ignored because the select data set is of more importance. An inductive reasoner will look at the available facts, evidence, and data to draw a conclusion. Because they looked at everything available they will reason that their conclusion is irrefutable. I think people can be a little of both. We may look at all the facts, evidence, and data, but we all have personal filters created by our experiences, education, and cultures that shape our conclusions. I think people want to say they are open-minded to any idea but they really want ones that conform to their own worldview. I believe people do need to make a broader effort to be inductive at start and deductive once everything is reviewed. Thank you for experiencing the CRC Society on the Christopher Peter Review. Please come back next week for more. Welcome to the CRC World Discussion, where we discuss salient global current events. Much was made about former President Donald Trump responding to the question of if he wants Ukraine to win its fight against Russia by saying that he wants the bloodshed to be ended. The clear and obvious answer should be yes. I think the whole world wants Ukraine to prevail against the invasion of its homeland. Also to see this event come to an end as soon as possible. The world is standing with Ukraine because it is the right thing to do. They are the only side one can truly empathize with. I do think there needs to be some plan on how this conflict can be wound down. Can the West continue to fund a war it really has no stake in without any insight on how the path forward will go? Do we have a moral responsibility to connect future aid with some actions to bring both sides to the negotiating table? Russia has positioned itself to no longer be fit to be a partner in any global initiative going forward. They cannot be trusted and still pose the same danger many feared for quite some time. America does not need to trade with Russia and should work to ensure that our allies no longer feel the need to either. Our allies should not trade with our economic adversaries as well. China poses a similar threat to Taiwan, who just happens to be a nation where a significant percentage of the world's chips are manufactured. A bottleneck of the worst kind. Still to this day we have not really done enough to reduce our dependence on cheap Chinese labor, which fuels its ambitions just as much as the purchase of Russian energy products. The famous saying is that if someone shows you who you are, believe them. Communists for years have shown us that we cannot trust them. We need to believe them and stop buying their energy and stop manufacturing goods in their economies. We do need to have some kind of plan for how to end the Russia-Ukraine conflict and to deter a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. We do not want World War III but the status quo is quite troubling. We cannot provide a blank check to a nation without any insight into how the aid is being used and if an effective strategy is in place. I agree that we need to know that there is a plan in place and have an understanding on whether the plan will provide a successful outcome or are we just depleting our stock in a manner that will do little to bring this conflict to an end. I think the idea that this conflict is not just to end aggression but to restore the sovereignty of all of Ukraine, including Crimea, is a noble goal. But one that might not be able to be achieved. We do not want this conflict to escalate into a global engagement. I do think Russia should be held to account. But it is not rational to believe that a nation with more nuclear arms than any other nation will be treated like less powerful nations. The most reasonable approach would be isolation until they offer acceptable terms to atone for their invasion. We do not want to use military solutions in this case because the cost of the world will outweigh the localized benefit. In regards to China, America and our allies need to reduce our dependence on cheap labor and work more closely with our allies and not our adversaries. China is not operating in a manner that is cooperative. They want world domination and undermine their partners for their gain. This is not a nation that we should trade with at the level that we currently do. Or at least put more constraints on.
I thank you for experiencing this episode, The CRC World. Come back for more each week. I thank you for experiencing this episode of the Christopher Peter Review. Please continue to visit the Christopher Peter Review at www.crcreview.com.